Hello, I'm Katie Piper, and welcome to my podcast, Katie Piper's Extraordinary People. Each episode, I'll meet an amazing person with an incredible story who faced adversity and came through the other side to inspire others. Today, I'm talking to Kelly Maloney, who found fame as a successful boxing promoter, Frank Maloney. After struggling with her gender her whole life, she publicly came out as transgender in 2014. She talks openly and honestly about struggling with her gender identity in the super macho world of boxing and about how she's now helping to promote greater awareness and understanding of transgender issues. Thank you for coming today. Thank you for having me. <laughs> um, usually the guests that I have um, on the podcast, they'll often have like a one-time experience that happened to them. Um, and some of them, it might be like struggling with some kind of visible difference as a result. Um, but I feel like in, in your case, it was coming to terms with something that was always there. Yeah. I mean, I had to come to terms with myself mm. to accept myself because the life I lived before was completely... Uh, Different. Uh, it was in the public eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was You're high- very famous. Yeah. You? yeah. <laughs> it was high profile, and um, I was always frightened to come to terms with myself. Um, I was always fighting myself. I always felt throughout my life that I was two people living in one body, and then on this shoulder was Kelly. On this shoulder was Frank, who was the main body, mm-hmm. and they were constantly battling and fighting with each other. But obviously, Kelly is the stronger personality. So for anyone listening who doesn't know your background, could you just give us a brief summary yeah. of who, who Frank was? And yeah, who I was born um, a male to an Irish uh, working class Catholic family. Mm. I was the eldest of three sons. And throughout my life, I always knew I was different. I never knew why or what the problem was. What age was that that you started? To... I, I started realising around between three and four. My goodness, wow. That I, I, you know, I felt different. Um, mm. But I never knew nothing about the subject or, or anything. And then one day I read an article about April Ashley. Oh, yeah. Um, probably the pioneer of the transgender community in this country. Yeah. And I read this article and, and I just thought, God, this is me. Everything I'm reading in here, the way she's grown up, how she's felt, uh-huh. I've felt like this since... I can remember. So how old were you when you read that article? I think I would have been about 15. Was maybe. it a relief to read it or was it worse to, to read I, it? I think it was worse because um, I saw how the paper had totally destroyed her and she lost everything. And I, and I just thought, God, I can never admit to this. I will keep the lid on this for for as long as I, for, for my life. And what a bizarre thing to never be able to own up to being your true, authentic self. It must have been such a difficult thing to contain. Well, it was because you, you're you living in this world, uh, a very male-dominated world, especially with uh, two brothers and a father that was sports mad. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and, you know, you come from the back streets of south-east London mm-hmm. where gangs ruled and you, if you had ginger hair, you was an odd person out right. in them days. So you just wanted to blend in. So you suppressed and you fought one side of yourself to be this other person Mm -hmm. and you know for most of your life you try to live a happy life but you're actually living a lie and the more you can contain it obviously contain the other person the better it is 
And, you know, I, I took up football, I took up boxing. Because they were masculine? No, not because they were masculine, because they were just what everyone else done. Right, it was just um, the norm. It was something to do. Mm-hmm. And I felt the more my life was occupied by going to work, by going to the gym to do my boxing, by going to football with my friends, mm. by everything else. I never had time to think about the other side of my life. But, you know, then my friends started sort of going out with girls, mm. meeting girls, and I was sort of always the odd one out. Right. And then eventually I met this girl that I, I think I liked her dog more than I liked her. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's how we sort of um, made friends. And, yeah. and she was sort of the first girl that I really got to know i suppose mm-hmm. i was about 15 at the time maybe. Mm. and then later on i met my first wife and that, that was totally different um i did i, I fell in love with her so it um, was gen- genuinely falling oh, in love yeah 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 i was eight and i felt that i'd lost kelly or i lost the female side of my my um personality so it and, kind of disassociated at that point do you think yeah, and I and I started living a normal life. I think the younger you are, the mm. more you're able to to battle it. I think also because unlike today, younger people are aware of it and and it's more open. So different back then, yeah. wasn't it? When I was there, no one knew about it. I mean, uh-huh. everyone referred to it as um, have a sex change. Right. I remember I read an article about an RAF squadron leader and. Only the news of the world could use these headlines. They went, um, RAF squadron leader has his undercarriage cut off. <laughs> oh, God. And they would have been allowed to report it <laughs> And they were allowed to like report that. And that's what, yeah. that was the headlines. It's dreadful. You know, yeah. They made these people out to be freaks and oddballs. Yeah. yeah. And that was something I never wanted. Did and, you hope it would go away if you repressed the feelings? Did you, yeah, did you think I, it might diminish? Well, I used, to, I used to go to bed every night and pray, obviously being a Catholic and being an altar boy and everything else. Um, I used to go to bed every night and pray that God would come down and touch me and I would wake up a girl. But My goodness. But that never happened. So. Do you know one really sad thing that I, when I was researching you that actually made uh, made me cry actually when I read it uh, was that you said when you were younger you would tell people that you didn't have dreams yeah. because you would dream that you were a girl and you didn't want people to know. Mm. Um, yeah, I know my mum used to... My brothers would dream about being... Superstars, uh, footballers, rock players, even gangsters, because of, <laughs> because of the neighbourhood we come from. Yeah, and um, you know, I did have dreams, but I was terrified of telling my parents my dreams. Uh-huh. In all my dreams, I was female. Yeah. I was this young girl. Um, other dreams, I dreamt that I got kidnapped as a boy, and mm. I was changed into a girl. Um, I dreamt that I got married as female. So powerful, the mind, isn't it? You, you you know you can suppress it, mm-hmm. but you can't beat it. Being young, I think you can suppress it much more, and you can get because you go out and you get on with things. Mm-hmm. But as you get older, trying to suppress it all the time really causes conflict. Because mm-hmm. as I got older and my life um, moved forward in in my business, which was I was very successful. Well, that's the thing because you weren't a regular nine to five person. You were. I mean, nowadays you'd say you would call it a celebrity. You were a public figure. You were really famous and you were at the top of your game. You weren't leading a, a life where no one noticed you either, were you? No, and I was a little bit obnoxious. And, <laughs> and I used to say anything that came into my head. You know, I used to sort of, uh, my mouth would come into gear before my brain would. But no one thought anything bad about that. I was a boxing promoter, so people expected that. Obviously, there were people who disagreed with what I would say and there was mm. the anti 
Frank Maloney Brigade. Um, but I never cared. No. It never bothered me because I, w- I was on top of this, on top of the world. And I used to think from leaving school and not having nothing, going through what I've been going through, mm. I am probably, at the, at the time, one of Britain's most successful boxing personalities. And nothing can go wrong. And outwardly, I suppose if 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 I looked back at you on that time, you seemed really confident. Uh, yeah, I, I I remember I worked with a very famous American promoter, uh, mm. Dan Duver, mm-hmm. who was my sort of teacher, I suppose. Okay. And he said to me, uh, Frank, what you've got to realise is you're going to be swimming in a pool of sharks. You either let them eat you alive or you become one of those sharks. Mm-hmm. And he said, I suggest you become one of those sharks. And and I and that's what I did. I became a shark, and I was in there with the likes of Don King, Frank Warren, wow. Barry Hearns, uh, Bob Arum. Mm. You know, um, all those people close to you that mentored you, though, did they not suspect or see anything? No, like... I was I was so protective of it. I was so. But you were struggling to contain it, and they couldn't see anything. No, I remember when we used to be at training camp um, mm. in in sort of far in the mountains in America or wherever it was, I would find a local, because in America they've got all these outward sex shops all over the place, and I would buy magazines mm-hmm. on trans issues mm-hmm. or gender issues or... And people didn't recognise you in the shops? No, I'd go in with a big scarf around my back. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and I wouldn't speak with my English accent, so I'd yeah. just pick up the map and pay for the magazine. And I would read these magazines, and then I'd be terrified they'd be fair, and I would then walk around the training campsite where he was, as far away from my my apartments and I would put them in the dustbin outside other people's apartments. Gosh, wow. <laughs> Undercover. And I used to do yeah. this in the hotels. If I was on floor 10, I would mm. drop, I would get the lift down to floor 6 and then walk up 2 and drop them on floor 8 or something like that. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't I made sure there was no trace of anything coming back to me. And did you know at this point what these feelings were? Did you have an understanding at this point? Yeah, I yeah. did at this point because obviously I I'd bought my I'd bought a computer um you know, I remember typing in the word um, transsexual mm-hmm. and it, it came up on my computer and I was just amazed at the amount of people that had gone through this surgery, had gone through this journey. Was that a relief to read that? Uh, yes and no, because though I knew there was other people, I wasn't the only one. Mm-hmm. There was no one in the position I was in. What was your fear? What was your biggest fear? My fear was did? being exposed and being exposed in the newspapers, losing everything, losing my family. And probably losing the respect that that I had I had achieved because I lived the sort of life that a kid from my background would only dream of. It was like yeah. a sort of pop star, film star, all rolled into one. Well, because, you would have been the envy of so many people. Yeah. I mean, I, if I went to the airport and I checked in, I'd get upgraded. Mm-hmm. If I went to a nightclub, I got VIP treatment. Yeah. Um, it was a different life. It was. Um, but was it bittersweet? I made a point of always showing the positive and happy side, but no one ever saw the side when I wasn't in the public eye. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a while I was able to contain that, but I don't know. As I got older, it became harder to contain. Mm-hmm. And it was just um, a constant battle, and I was destroying everything around me. I was destroying the people I loved. So what, I, with, with anger and just sabotage? Just with frustration, with not being able to um, communicate um, if I'm, I, I got jealous of my my partner, mm-hmm. um, and I used to think how lucky she was. Um, mm-hmm. I used to, had bad depression. I started drinking more. 
Okay. Um, What's just block th- numb things? And... It just blocked it out. Um, yeah. You know, I constantly thought about suicide. Um, would, would you contemplate it seriously or was it fleeting? I have, I have attempted it a couple of times. Um, but and, I, and, and, you know, two of my, two people I worked with um, committed suicide. One was a young boxer that I managed. Oh, wow. um, and it made me think, God, you know, this could be me if I don't, if I don't take control of it. And um, I, I, I was having counselling. Mm-hmm. But I told the counsellor I was having counsel for anger management. Uh-huh. And we talked about suicide and a, a lot about it. Was and it hard to go to counselling as a famous person? Were you wor- worried? Um, I was at the start. But what happened was I was, I was I was in a very bad place. I was mm-hmm. at my house in Portugal. I mean, no one, no one, unless you've actually been in this dark place, uh-huh. you'll never understand how the, how it works or how your mind works or mm-hmm. how you freak out. And I, I was out with the family. Um, my girls were very young. This is my second two daughters. And uh, my partner and I were constantly arguing over everything. And we were drinking heavy. One night we was in a restaurant we used to use regular in Portugal. Uh-huh. Um we went back to the villa. The arguments continued. Um, I, you know, she sort of attacked my manhood um, about the way I was because mm-hmm. our life that side had sort of dried up a little bit, mm-hmm. um, and, and I lost it. And we started really shouting and pushing each other. Mm-hmm. And the next thing I knew, I grabbed her around the neck, mm-hmm. and I was like sort of shaking and strangling her neck. And thank heavens, my two children walked in the room and screamed and I just mm. came to my senses and stopped and I just looked and went, I don't know what I've done. Why Why am I doing this? Almost like an out-of-body experience, yes. do you think? All that yeah, pain I just don't know anger. what it was. And I just said, I've got to go. I sat outside a church all night in, um, in the Algarve, just sat there all night praying and crying for, for help, I suppose. I went back to the villa. I, I picked up my passport I tried to apologise, and um, I said, "Look, I've got to go. I've got to go and get some help." I flew back to England and I checked myself into a private clinic, mm-hmm. but I didn't realise the clinic was um, associated with Scientology. Do you believe this? No, I, 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 I don't. Um, so I went there and, and I sort of told them that I had anger and I needed help. And no you, one, you didn't tell them your the secret you were no, carrying? No, right. I, I told them that my marriage was crumbling and I, I didn't know how to stop it. And I, I, I stayed in this clinic for about five, six weeks. They they recommend I see this counsellor. And, you know, I, these counselling sessions went on for day after day after day. And, and eventually it got to the stage where I was so dependent on her I couldn't make a decision without wow. asking this woman. Okay. Um, and then she started coming to my business and sitting in my office and helping me make this because I couldn't make a decision. I was absolutely numb. Wow. And I suggested to my partner, no, she suggested to me that my partner have counselling. Mm-hmm. And my partner went and after, like, when she came home at night, she said, this woman's just brainwashing me, trying to brain. And then she t- and she said, if this woman, if I ever see this woman again, our marriage is over. My goodness. You know, so I said, I'll never see her again. And my partner said, look, we'll find a counsellor. 
And we came across this woman who looked quite really pleasant. So we went to see her together. And you were having the same problems in this marriage as you had in the first one, similar? I think the the problems in my second marriage were harder because it was more there and I knew so much more about how I felt and what I really was. And was that, like, the more famous she became, was that harder, like, more pressure? Yeah, I mean, that was part of the... I I used to wish sometimes that I wasn't famous, that I hadn't achieved what I had achieved. Um, And I used to sit there thinking, right, I've earned this amount of money. I can put this into the bank account for my family and and I can just disappear to Thailand and Mm -hmm. have all my surgery and live my life away and never come back. You may have heard of the podcast Juicy Scoop. Wondered what it is? Why aren't you listening? Well, I'm its host. Created it, been doing it for seven years. I'm Heather McDonald of Juicy Scoop with Heather McDonald. Now, I could tell you why you should be listening to my show, but my listeners wanted to write the ad for me, and here are some of the things they said. Not your regular Juicy podcast. Catch up on all the juicy topics from Hollywood and pop culture to true crime and beyond. Heather McDonald's Juicy Scoop always has great guests, great laughs, and great gossip. It's a comedian's take on the hottest headlines. Juicy Scoop is the pop culture news you want to hear. No BS, no filter, no filler. Raw, real, and in the moment. Throw in the hilarity of amazing comedians that you'll instantly be obsessed with, a juicy crime story, and a dash of normal life in L.A. moments, and you've got yourself an amazing week of Juicy Scoop. Two episodes every week, every Tuesday and Thursday. It will never let you down. So you went to this new counsellor? We went to see um, this counsellor. And she was my counsellor for nearly nine years. Wow. So she got really close to you then? Yeah. yeah. And um, and in that whole time, you didn't tell her? I told her probably about the last two years. That took you a long time to build up that trust. I know, yeah. Um, when I finally came out to, to my partner and told her, and I, then the next thing was I, I had to go, I went to Jan, my counsellor. So you told your partner first and then you told Jan? Yeah. And I sat there and I said to Jan, Jan, I have to tell you something. I said, I've been lying to you all the time. I've been coming to you. And she said, oh, why? What's? And I, and I sort of looked at the floor because I couldn't look. And I said, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm transgender. I feel I've been born in the wrong body. Mm-hmm. And she went, I always knew you were telling me a lie, but she said, it was not my place to probe. You have to tell me. My goodness. Um, How did you feel when those I, words left your lips and she said that? I, I I felt more relief than when I told my partner because once, once the words come out of my lips to my partner, I knew my marriage was over. So and she didn't say I know? She was shocked? No, she was totally, totally shocked. Um, she said I was different because I was always smart and always, and she always wondered why I sat watching her doing her makeup and mm. chatting about it. And she always said, you always had good taste in clothes and you always <laughs> bought the right things. <laughs> yeah. And my daughters used to say that to me. Mm. Um, and you, before this, of all the friends you had, the big social circle, all the colleagues, you'd never once gone to tell someone else and then it had gone wrong and you stopped. Because didn't you ever get drunk? And, and you know, when you start late with people drunk and you talk... And things get deep. Did you never once spill anything? No, I did in front of Tracy, my partner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did. She, she once said to me, all you kept saying one night in bed was, I'm ready to be the woman I've always wanted to be. And um, I'd say, no, I must have been drunk. I must, um, you know, and I would deny it. But I became a miserable bastard, probably. Yeah. Um, unsociable. And it, and it got noticed by a lot of people. Because you were kind of on the brink of it. Of revealing it, but not quite, so you were still... Well, I think I was on the brink of breaking down, if I'm honest. Um, 
then eventually Tracy said to me, I think you've got to um, go and find yourself and find out who you really are and what, what you want in life. That must have been hard for her. To It's like, you know, when you love someone, you have to let them go. Mm. That must have been hard. Uh, yeah. So I, I took myself off to my house in Portugal. Mm. And my daughters were very worried because though Tracy now knew, mm. she would never tell no one. Right. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I suppose I've got so much respect for her. Yeah. Because she would have taken the secret to the grave. And um, I went to the house in Portugal. And the house is... It's isolated, but there's still neighbours. But I could, you could cut yourself off. So you could be anonymous out there. Yeah, and I started. I went on the um, internet, and I sort of got talking to this girl that was going through the same journey as me, and she was very helpful. But then I went out, and I remember for the first time I went shopping, and I bought a, a, a wardrobe, a small wardrobe of clothes. Was that a good feeling or not? It was a yeah, it was a good feeling, yeah, but also a guilty feeling. I mean, previously to that, on trips to America and places like that, when I felt the urges, I would go shopping, but I would come out with the clothes and throw the clothes in the bin. Wow, so it's like a kind of shame attached to it. Yeah, it's what it was. She put all those clothes, wear them, and bin them. I didn't even wear them. Oh, I hope <laughs> they weren't Versace. <laughs> no, they, they wasn't Versace. No, no. Um, but they were they were good. So someone someone found some good clothes. So the, the, not even wearing them. So it was the act of doing something that you always felt you should do, but then not really being able to follow fully through with it because of fear and yeah. denial. And yeah, it was um yeah it was strange. I didn't retire from boxing till just after July two thousand and thirteen, mm-hmm. after a heavyweight fight that I promoted. Um, it was my next sort of big heavyweight star. He was the British Commonwealth champion. Mm-hmm. And I made a fight for him. What was his name? Uh, David Price. Right. And David got beat. Mm-hmm. And I was quite, you know, I was emotionally upset about it. And at the next meeting with him, his lawyers, they sat there and they said, we want the rematch. And I argued and argued. And they kept arguing back at me. And eventually I turned and I went, do you know what? I'll do the rematch. And so we walked out the room. My daughter was on one side, my lawyer was on the other side. I said, let's go and have a coffee. And we sat down and they went, what's the matter? I went, this will be the last time I ever do a boxing show and work on boxing. Because let me tell you, a few months ago, a year ago, I would never agree to that rematch. I would right. have, I would have, but I knew I'd lost that. I'd lost spirit. the spirit and I'd lost the edge of Frank Maloney. Okay. I think the hormones had started suffering me and, and right. I was more so on my way to changing there. I didn't think about that. Yeah. So you'd moved on. Yeah. You'd let I, go? I'd let go. I'd really let go of Frank. Um, Great. Even though I was sitting there in a suit or as Frank would be dressed. Because um, mm-hmm. at this time, though I was transitioning very privately, no one knew. So would you dress as a woman? Only away from the office at home. I'd okay. moved away from my house. I was living in a flat down on the, on the seafront and I was on hormones and no one knew this. And when you're at home by the coast, would you always be dressing as a woman? You I would, would be, be Kelly, yeah. And was that wonderful sanctuary to be free? Then? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only time I was careful was if my neighbour upstairs was in. Because he knew who Frank was, and when right. when he saw me moving, he was over the moon. Of course he was. Yeah, he probably felt great. <laughs> so I've I had kept, a right touch I kept here. looking up and making sure. Um, um, and I know one day he said, oh, he said, "Who's that mystery girl I seen coming out of your house?" And I thought, "No, that mystery girl was me." Yes. So I know. Okay. Um, says no. But going back to the boxing story, um, 
I was being interviewed after, and you can watch it on, it's on YouTube, the interview. I just broke down and started crying. In an interview? Yeah, on television. You were beginning to expose yourself then. Yeah, and people thought I was having a nervous breakdown. Yeah. And my daughter, who's very protective of me, just grabbed me and pulled it and said, that's the last interview. I was totally emotional because I knew that was the end of my, my career. It was the end of... um everything I dreamed of. It's like a bereavement, isn't it? It's like, because it's the end of an era and, yeah. and, and such a proud one in all your achievements. I know. So I walked away from boxing. I started living more and more full-time as Kelly. Frank got seen less and less. Um, I closed down my office. I closed my website down. I closed everything down to do with Frank Maloney. And Frank only used to come out when I would go back to visit the family house because yeah. I hadn't told my daughter. So, so the, the only my partner sake. knew. Yeah. But my daughter used to go, why are you a why are you starting to look like an aging hippie? Because my hair was growing. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and yeah. I was wearing like, you know, just sort of unisex shirts and yeah. that. Um, and then um, I spoke with Tracy and I was still I was still fighting it. And I was still saying to her, oh, no, I can bring Frank back. Let's so try. there was no big plan to, to out Kelly. You didn't want to out no, Kelly. No. no. And then um, Tracy invited me back Christmas and um, that was 2013, yeah, because I'd had some facial surgery done pre- in that year. And the kids hadn't noticed. You just no, had downtime. Well, they noticed my nose, but I told them I just decided to get rid of my boxer's nose. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which would have been quite a normal thing. Yeah, they wouldn't have thought, uh, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, um, <laughs> I, I'd done that. And um, Tracy invited me back Christmas, and I thought, you know what? Maybe I can make this work. Maybe I can lock Kelly away and put the lid back on her. So I packed a bag. I packed all Kelly's stuff away. And I got some of Frank's stuff out that I kept. And Tracy opened the door and she saw the big... And she said, what's with the bag? I went, I want to come home. I want to try and make it work. Yeah. She went, it's, it's never going to work. She went, I've invited you home for Christmas for the kids' sake. Mm-hmm. And I lost it. And we went. I went down the pub drinking. I drank. Why very... did you lose it? Because you, in your heart of hearts, you knew she was right. Oh. Well, because no, I think I wanted to keep my family together. Because mm-hmm. um, you, because you love them, and and, and you're yeah, traditional. Yeah, and I think or... I was still in love with her. Yeah. Um, and um, I went to the pub drinking very heavily. Mm-hmm. She came down, and we we had a few drinks. We got into a bit of an argument. Uh-huh. She went home. I followed home. And I was quite drunk, and she'd put my stuff into the spare bedroom because I was going to stay the night. Right. Um, and I took a bottle of wine up to the bedroom. I took all the pills out that were in the medicine cupboard, and I started taking the pills, and and I started getting lightheaded. So you really wanted to do it. This wasn't just a cry for help. No. This was a. So I I put on a coat. I got my dogs. I packed my pocket full of pills, all mm. the pills, and I took a, the, the bottle with me and I said I'm going to walk the dogs and she went okay dinner will be ready in about anyway next thing I knew I you were just the master of covering up everything to be able to walk out like that in that state and they didn't realise nice. and next thing I knew I woke up and there was mm. a crowd of people around me and a paramedic there and this woman was going that's Frank Maloney the boxer right and the pills were all gone all down the road okay. and a broken bottle was there and the paramedic said we need to take you to hospital I went, I'm not going to the hospital because I knew it could make the paper. Oh, and so I, you feared it being exposed, and I, yeah. and I got up and I just took my dogs and went, I'm going. And he went, no. And I just kept, and I walked for about three hours. So eventually I sort of half so I half came to my senses. And I, I, I went home 
and I walked, and and Tracy was there like, where the hell have you been? Mm. And I started crying, and I told her what had happened, and she looked at me and she went, "You are one selfish bastard. You would do that on Christmas Day, that your children would never know why you've done that." She said, "I think it's time you come to yours, to your set, and accept yourself." And next thing I knew, I woke up outside my eldest daughter's house, slumped over the wheel of my my car, the steering wheel, with my oh. two dogs in the back. Yeah. Uh, and to this day, I do not know how I drove from Chislehurst to Beerstead. And if I got stopped, I think they would have just put me in jail and thrown the keys away. Someone up there did not want you to go, no. to die. And I, well, I, still, I, I do believe that, actually, because mm. of other issues. Um, the next day... We went down the pub again, mm-hmm. and I was standing outside the pub. I, I started cry, crying, and um, Emma came out to have a cigarette, and she took, and, I, and I sort of sort of told her off for smoking. And she went, "You're always," she said, "Never mind my smoking." She said, "Look at you, my, look at the state my dad's in. My dad's always been a strong person, has always been there. Mm. You've got to tell me the truth. Are you dying? Have you got any illness?" And I sort of turned around and, and I couldn't look at, and I went. I'm not dying, I said, but I have something to tell you that you might not like to hear. And I said, I'm not the person you think I am. She went, you're not really my dad. And I went, no, I am your dad. Um, I was there at your birth, I said, I held you. Mm. Um, I said, I should have been born a woman. And she just looked at me and she put her arms around me. And she said... "Um, I don't really understand that, she said, but I know one thing. I'd rather have my dad in a dress, than in a frock, than in a wooden box. Oh, you must be so proud of the, the children you've raised to be that emotionally intelligent. Uh, yeah, it was, yeah, I mean, it took them a long time to come to terms. Mm. Um, I was going to a support group, but the mm. support group never knew who I was. Mm-hmm. I always went as Kelly, mm. and, and I used the name Kelly Black. Mm-hmm. Life was moving forward, and then... Almost in quite a positive direction. Direction, but I was still being frank when my children saw me because I hadn't told my other two children. Right, okay. And Emma hadn't met Kelly at this time. Mm. And it, there are a number of groups throughout the country that gather mm. at weekends every so often. And this was the only life I really had outside of my house. Yeah. Um, because I I wasn't seeing any of my old friends. Mm. I totally disappeared at, because I disappeared mm. from, from life in a way. And then... I told him about this weekend and she said she'd like to come with me. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I'll be going as Kelly. She, Well, I think it's time I met Kelly. Oh, it's so great that it was on her terms. terms. Out. Yeah. But I know, remember she told me on the way to meet me, mm. she actually pulled up and was had to get out of the car. She was physically sick. Oh, because she was so nervous? Yeah. 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 Of course, yeah. And then when she opened the door, when I opened the door, she was like, oh, are you right, Dad? And... We just went off. We just spoke normal. Mm. She began more and more to accept it, and she mm. met Kelly. We started going out for coffee together mm-hmm. and things like that. So she she had become accepting. She'd become involved in parts of Kelly's life. One thing that really angers me about your story is, you know, we hear a lot of things um, about the press, and sometimes the press is positive, but often uh, they can be uh, quite shameless. And they did an awful thing to you, didn't they, where they tried to take away your right to reveal um, how you were living. They doorstepped you, didn't yes. they? Yes, yeah. I got a knock on my door mm. on a Thursday night um, 
being told that they were going to run a story about my alternative lifestyle, mm-hmm. which I denied. Um, they were from a red top newspaper, of course, <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I broke down. Obviously, I got my lawyers involved, mm. um, and then you had to tell your lawyers the truth. Truth, yes, and um, things happened. And I remember my lawyer booked this really high powered uh, QC. Mm. By now, the family had all known, mm. and these newspapers people had phoned my. They'd been outside my young daughter's school. Mm. Oh, they don't have any morals. Well, yeah, they'd phoned my ex partners. Yeah brother and sister who knew nothing about it she hadn't even told them so they were like a dog of the bone, bone. Right now. Yeah. and they also followed my middle daughter into yeah. a nightclub and bought a champagne trying to chat her up and that's dreadful isn't it and they were outside emma's house um but eventually the qc it was quite a funny moment i'm sitting there drinking tea at this nice mm. china cup and this qc walked in and he went ah oh, mr maloney are we here to sue frank warren or barry hearns or who in the boxing world is mm. he said oh you lot live in court and i went no it's something totally different I think you might want to sit down. So I went for it and he went, oh, very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he went, well, let me tell you, they can't run the story. And, you know, he went into action with my lawyer. They finally got approval from the newspaper at seven mm. o'clock that night, that they were, Saturday night, that they were not going to run the story. So you were successful in stopping it. Then another newspaper got hold of the story. Right. So, again, everything went into action. Eventually, they decided to pull the story. And not run it. The stress and anxiety you were well, going I, I totally was stressed at time. And then on the Monday, my lawyer phoned me and my daughter and called for us to come to his office. We went and he said, look, this is going to come out sooner or later. Mm-hmm. Now, we can either do it one way. You can either let them print it. You can put a statement out online. Or you can go to a paper and see if we can control the story. On your terms, yeah. And we met with a number of newspapers. And eventually the Sunday Mirror gave us everything we wanted. Isn't it funny in life, sometimes darkness can can come into our lives. Things things that we don't invite happen to us, horrible things. And at the time, I mean, when they were threatening you, they were going to expose you like that. It must have been awful. But in a way, it was the thing that made you finally be liberated and free on, on your own terms. But it, it it pushed you to coming out to the nation. Yeah, I mean, it went mad. August, I'll never forget it, August the 14th, 2000 and, 2014. My life totally changed from that moment onwards. Good or bad? Um, a little bit of both. Good because it helped, I suppose it helped me. Um, it helped my children. Mm. It helped a lot of other people because I got such lots of response from yeah. other people that were going through the same thing. So there's that sense of relief in one, in one way. And then bad because... I got the the keyboard warriors who was really like the internet, yeah. internet, and then idiots, you know, who wouldn't accept or un- try and understand it. Would uh, you get abuse in the street as well as on the internet? I never really got any abuse in the street, to be honest. I I was very lucky, but I I I did get guys go to me. I can't understand this. I don't know why you've done this. You know, there must be something. You must be crazy. Well, do you know that was one of the things I really admired about you? And it was only because of you that I watched the episode of Celebrity Big Brother that you went in and you were going in with Audley Harrison. And I thought that's so brave because you don't know how that's going to pan out. And he was somebody from your previous life. It was so brave. Well, I I, I really, when I went in, I wasn't in control of my own life, to be honest. Mm. If I was in control of my life, I wouldn't have gone in. Right. But I wasn't in control. Why did you go in? I don't, I felt, 
in a way it would help other people. One of my counsellors told me that, listen, for one hour every day, as long as you're in that house, you're going to be in over two million people's front rooms. You will help educate people, Kelly, that other people haven't got that opportunity. Yeah, it made people understand some of what you've been through and parts of you, I yeah, think. I don't think I was very good in there. but No, uh, no, no. Do you know you were brilliant? You were, you were authentic. <laughs> you were you. You were open. And yes, you showed different sides to, to different emotions because you're a human. I remember having the argument with um, Audley Harrison and he turned around and said, but I, I, I can't get in the tub with you. Mm. And I said, why? He went, because I don't feel comfortable. He said, I've known you as Frank Maloney all your life. Mm. He said, now you're there as a female. It's not it's not natural, not normal. And there was a bit of an outcry. Mm. And I remember after, when, at the party when everyone gets mm. together, his wife was there. Oh, right, okay. And his wife came up to me and went, do you know what, I've spoken to Audley. You've done so good to help him understand things. He said, "She said because I run a beauty parlor in Los Angeles, yeah. and I have quite a few trans. Of course, she women. would, yeah, yeah." And she said, "Audley has always been very office to him, but it's, now it's he's totally it. changed it." Do you so, not feel proud of that? That's amazing. That yeah, makes that, the whole thing worthwhile. The, in the whole of the Big Brother house, that was the most significant thing. The rest didn't matter mm. to me. No, it's just excellent. that I've got all these sorts of understand. You, you shouldn't be prejudiced against anyone. You should never mm. judge a person. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. And I suppose really for me, that's what you represent. That's your message. Um, I want to know a bit about, uh, because I think you're an inspirational person. I think, you know, you came from an era where it didn't exist, what you were going through. It wasn't accepted. And against all odds, you have come out, you've stood proud and you've, like you said, you've injured um, unkind horrible um, reactions on online and you, you've battled, you've lost things, you've had to grieve things. What is present day like for Kelly Maloney? I think I'm a very happy person. I'm much more contented. Mm -hmm. If I'm honest, I still have this dark hole um, that I sometimes slip into. Um, I've come to terms with myself that who I am and who I'm not. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've come to terms with my sexuality. Mm -hmm. Um do you think that's an ongoing journey for when people transition? It's not. It's in stages that you get to know yourself and understand. I, I honestly don't know because I, I think a lot to do with me is because everyone knows knows my past, mm. and and I also don't know because of the life I lived and I only always went out with women. Mm. Could I could I let a man into my life, mm -hmm. um, or should I have a woman in my life? I, I honestly don't know. Have you had relationships as Kelly? N nothing serious. Okay. Um, I've been out to dinner a few times. Mm. Um, I've got some close friends, but... Mm -hmm. And so do you feel like it's just a journey that you're on now to discover what you want and who who you want in your life? Yeah, I've always said um, I'll walk into... One day I'll walk into somewhere and a light will go on in my head and it could be a, a man, it could be a woman, I don't know. Mm. Um but when that light goes on, I'll know. It's, you know, it's a very hard thing. Um, because I always, when I first transitioned and I came public, I, I decided I was always going to put this wall around me. Uh-huh. Defence mechanism. Defence mechanism. Yeah. And I would never let anyone inside that wall. Mm. Um, that I could live my life with myself, with my dogs, mm. my family. and uh, So are you finally free now? I don't think I'm free because... Because I do, as I say, I struggle with my sexuality. Mm. Um, I don't know if I'll ever be free, but what I am is contented and happier. 
And that's priceless. Uh, yeah. And, um, you know, as Frank, if you look at pictures of Frank, you never saw many smiles on Frank's face. Yeah. If you look at pictures of Kelly, there's she smiles a lot more. You seem to have a very peaceful approach to life compared to the person you were talking about in the earlier parts of this interview. Yeah, I, I, I do. I, I, I do have a very peaceful life. Um, and I, hopefully, you know, it will move on. It will get better. Mm-hmm. And life has just started for Kelly. Yeah, yeah, I've gone backwards instead of <laughs> <laughs> Peter Pan. There's one other question I wanted to ask you because I know lots of different people listen to this podcast, different ages, different backgrounds, and I want to know what you hope people will take away from your story because now you are um, so visible in the media. You're you're talking about diversity. You're helping other people. You're mentoring other people. Having spent so long being trapped and silenced, um, you know, what would you like this journey that you've had to endure um, to represent and, and do for others? I, I believe my community is probably where the gay community was about 15 to 20 years ago mm. we're very visible now yes but we're not being accepted by everybody and not everyone understands, understands or, wants it, to understand. or wants to understand yeah. it i i would like it that a trans person being five foot two like me which is a, a good advantage or mm. six foot two like mm. some people and they walk out their front door and no one batters an eyelid mm-hmm. no kid will abuse them no one will say things about them mm. and at the end of the day we're all human beings. You know, we enter this world the same way. Mm-hmm. We'll all leave this world in a wooden box. Mm. So on this journey, you know, we may be different or we may seem different, but at the end of the day, we're all the same. Mm-hmm. Just It's just about respect for everybody. Yeah. You know? and, and I've learned that, you know, I, was, I, I never respected everybody. But that's because I went through the world with blinkers on. I could uh-huh. only, there was only black and white. There was no gray area. But once you take those blinkers off and you realise how diversified the world is, mm. how different the world is, and how many people are are struggling, not just trans people. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of people. All kinds. Refugees. Yeah. There's children. Is it giving you more empathy? Yeah. yeah. And it's, it, it's about understanding human and being humane yourself towards other people well you you will forever be one of my real life heroes (laughs) because i think you know in your own words you've lived and walked two very different lives i am a massive boxing fan as well um and i just think you've had to fight all your life physically mentally inner and outer and that's why i respect and love the person that you are thank you um so thank you again for being honest and courageous today and bearing all on the podcast (laughs) (laughs) and i know once again whether you realize it or not this podcast is going to help so many other people thank you so much for coming on thank you katie thank Thank you. you cheers Thanks for listening to Katie Piper's Extraordinary People. I really enjoyed speaking to all my guests in this series, and I hope you're feeling as inspired and uplifted by them as I am. You can listen back to the whole series wherever you get your podcasts, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. My handle is at katiepiper underscore. If you enjoyed this series, please help us spread the word, rate and review the show where you got this, or share on all social media channels.